What's going on, 1130? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us. Hey, real quick, just a really housekeeping thing. If you've got some empty seats next to you, if you wouldn't mind like kind of scooting in and collapsing those, we still have people that are looking for seats, which is a, a great problem to have at church. It's when you don't have enough seats for everybody. Um, and, and so thank you for doing that. It's partly why we're doing this whole legacy thing. Like we want to make some room for y'all uh, maybe, or you could just go to a different service, but you don't seem to want to do that. So, uh, but anyways, man, we're glad that you're here. Can we welcome everybody that's watching with us online right now as well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. And, and let me just say this. Thank you for being a part of our legacy day today in 2021. Everyone is here, everybody that's watching online, man, it's incredible to see what God is doing here. And like we said in the video we had a goal of 3.75 and we have raised 2.65 of that. And I believe that in this month of December, we're, we're gonna finish that off and we're gonna, we're gonna see God do immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or imagine according to his power that's at work. And so I just wanna say, as your pastor, thank you, thank you, thank you for being faithful to the vision, for being so generous to making this a reality of what we set out here a couple of years ago. I believe that God is gonna get all the glory in it. And so uh, we'll be doing that legacy offering at the end of this service. Why don't you guys grab that worship God that's on your seat. We're going to dive in today. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 27. And um, there was something that God challenged me with uh, a few weeks ago that was on my heart. And so I thought I would just reciprocate it and challenge you with it. Is that okay for everybody in here today? Like I got challenged. I'm going to challenge you. That's kind of how it works. And so we're talking about legacy and I want to challenge us when it comes to our legacy. Legacy. And legacy is, is what your life will be known for. And, and I'm a firm believer. Like, I don't believe that everybody's supposed to be up on the stage. I don't believe that everybody is supposed to have a platform. But I do believe that all of us are supposed to live a life of legacy. I believe that God has put within every single one of us the ability to leave a lasting legacy that will impact generations to come, and, and, and I believe that God wants to challenge us today when it comes to legacy. And so we're gonna be looking at a story of a guy named Joseph. Now, what's interesting in the Bible, there are three Josephs in the Bible. Most people know the first two. The first one is in the Old Testament. It's a guy named Joseph who had the coat of many colors. He ends up getting thrown in a pit, sold into slavery by his brothers, ends up rescuing all of his brothers during a famine in, in Egypt. Most people have heard that Joseph story. Then there's also the story of Joseph that's in the New Testament that a lot of times is told this part of the year because it's Christmas time and Joseph was actually to be married to Mary who would eventually give birth to Jesus. And so most people know that story of Joseph, but we're not going to talk about that Joseph either. We're actually going to talk about the Joseph that nobody really knows about. His name is Joseph of Arimathea. And he's actually found in all four of the gospels. And he is a Christ follower uh, during Jesus's time, but he's actually a Christ follower in private. So he is not out on the front lines. He's not out preaching. Nobody really knows about him. He's actually a behind the scenes kind of guy. And he does something super significant in a specific period of time on a very significant night. 
And it was a night that was very, very dark. And it's actually the night that Jesus dies while he is on the cross. And some of you are thinking, why in the world, in the midst of all the chaos and all the turmoil in our world, would you be talking about legacy? And I would say that it's during the midst of chaos and turmoil that our legacy matters the most in life. I, I, I can't think of a, a, of a time when it's chaotic and there's turmoil in the world that it's not a better time for the church to shine brightest and show what we're all about, how we're the, the most generous place on earth and how we can make a difference and make the biggest impact for Jesus while we're here on this earth. And, and, and we're going to see how it happened on the night that Jesus died by this guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. If, Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 57, it says this. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had been a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate. Now, Pilate is the governor of the area. He's actually the highest ranking official. He's the one that actually oversaw the trial of Jesus. And it says, and he asked for Jesus's body. Now, what did Joseph of Arimathea ask for? Okay, come on. I'm going to need more participation today. This is the last service. I've got all the time in the world. There's no clock for me. You can go ahead and shut that timer off back there. It does not even matter. What did he ask for? He asked for Jesus, but it's much better. It's going to go way quicker if you respond like that. We could say it this way. He asked for the body of Christ. He cared about the body of Christ. His concern in the darkest moment of humanity was the body of Christ. I think it's something that all of us could learn from. And it says, and Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance. One significant act in the midst of the darkest moment in human history and the world was changed because of this man. This man built something that Jesus would end up using for three days and come out later defeating death, hell, and the grave. And I just want you to know you have no clue what is on the other side of your sacrifice. You have no clue what's on the other side of you inviting that friend to church. You have no clue what's on the other side of you helping that family at Christmas time. You have no clue what's on the other side of your sacrificial giving. Like you just have no clue. Like I don't believe that Joseph knew that this is my moment that I'm going to change the world. I just think that Joseph knew that at that moment, the best thing that he could do is he could care for the things that God cared about. And now history is still talking about this one man who had this act of generosity that changed the trajectory of the world. And church, I think this is what God is calling us to do in these moments because there are moments where you reassess and you reevaluate life especially in the Christmas season where it's so easy to have a pity party and go oh my gosh this year has been horrible but let me remind some Christians that are out there let me remind some people that are watching us online let me remind you of this it's not about you it's not about us like we are here to make a difference on this earth in the p lives of other people. 
Like we're gonna have all of eternity to celebrate everything that's gone on. But while we're on this earth, you know what we're here to do? We're here to make a difference. We're here to leave a legacy. So let me give you some things that I think Joseph of Arimathea can teach us today. A couple of things, uh, starting in verse 27. It says, as evening approached, Joseph, a rich man for, from Arimathea, who'd become a follower of Jesus. Now that phrase, a rich man, is only found twice in scripture. And uh, there, there's this story and there's another story. It's, that story is actually called the rich young ruler. And it's the story that most people know when it comes to that phrase, a rich young man. They don't know this story. And that story goes that this guy came to Jesus. He was a rich young man. He came to Jesus and he said, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, sell everything you have to, and give it to the poor and then follow me. And people miss the point of the passage because they think the point of the passage is that you can't be wealthy and follow Jesus. That is not the point of that story. The, the, your net worth does not determine your ability to be a Christian or not. There is a poverty mentality that is out there where people think that if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then I have to be poor. Like I've got to get rid of everything. And that's not what that story was about. Jesus understood that that man, while he had great wealth, he understood that wealth actually had the man. Like Jesus understood the fact that you, you can only serve one master. You can't serve two masters. Listen, it isn't a bad thing to have wealth. It's a bad thing when wealth has you. And Jesus right here in this story is telling the rich young ruler, you wanna follow me, that's great. You just can't have two gods in your life. And listen, Coastal Community Church, I want you blessed. I want you to have the best stuff out there. I want you to be the Joneses in your neighborhood where everybody is envious of you. I want you to have the Louis bag. I want you to have the new car. I want you to have the golf membership. I just don't want all of that stuff to have you. Like, can Jesus be the Lord of your life? And I love the story of Joseph because Joseph gives us a story of a man who had great wealth and honored God at the same time. And I think it's a great example for all of us. And here's point number one. You've got to understand that we have been blessed to be a blessing. Like, so if you've been blessed and you want to leave a legacy, you have to understand and recognize you've been blessed to be a blessing. When I was uh, 19 years old, I was doing an internship in, in a little city in, I wouldn't even say it's a city, it's a little town, podunk town in Texas called Garden Valley, Texas. Anybody know where Garden Valley, Texas is? Uh, nobody knows where Garden Valley, of course they don't because there was only about 300 people in the town. We had one stoplight and one restaurant. It was called the Dinner Bell. There wasn't nothing going on in Garden Valley, Texas. And I was an intern there with a couple hundred other interns for this ministry. And, uh, and, and so part of our deal is, is every once in a while we'd have chores that we had to do. And so one, one weekend I was assigned with another friend of mine that we were to go around and pick up trash. And so we had one of those big rolling trash bins that you go around, you drive the, drive the trash can, dump it in there and kind of like roll to the next thing, dump the trash in there. So we did that. We dumped it in the dumpster. We cleaned out the trash can. And then we realized we're like, man, it's like a Friday night. What are we going to do tonight after we've done all of our chores? And we're sitting there and we realized that in 
in Texas, we were in this part of Texas where there's these rolling hills. And I looked at this dumpster and I was like, hey, I've got an idea. You see that hill right there? Get in this dumpster thing and I'm going to run and push you and push you down the hill. And so the guy jumps in. We're not very smart. We're 19. And uh, I'll take off running and I'll push him down this hill. And he goes flying down this hill. And as he's going, he's picking up speed. He's dodging trees. And finally, he hits a tree with the thing, falls over, jumps out and goes, dude, that was awesome. And I'm like, bring it back so I can try. So he brings it back. I jump into it. He runs and pushes me, pushes me down the hill. I go flying down this hill. I hit a tree and fall over and fly out. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like it became our new game. Like every weekend, like it was so much fun. Can we all agree that that is a great use of that item? It's great use, like lots of fun. But how many of y'all know it's not its intended use? Like, follow me for a second. Like, it was a lot of fun, but it's not what it was made for. Like, it's not wrong to jump in the dumpster thing and get it pushed down the hill until they find out you're doing that. (laughs) But it's not its intended and ultimate purpose. Are you following me, church? So when it comes to your finances, let me just take the guilt off of you. Like, it's not wrong to buy the new boat. It's not wrong to get a bigger house. It's not wrong to have nicer things. It's not wrong to get the Gucci bag. But that's not the intended purpose as a believer when it comes to your finances. That's not the intended use. The intended use is that when God blesses your life, it's to be a blessing to the world around you so that you can actually leave a legacy and let that be our default in life that anytime there is a promotion, it's for a purpose. Anytime that there is a raise, it's for an experience so other people can experience, know, and follow Jesus because we want to be a blessing that's to the world around us. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, you will be enriched. In other words, you will be blessed in your life in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Let that be said of us. And that through us, your generosity will result in people finding a relationship with God, in people getting baptized in Jesus' name, in people going to next steps and discovering their purpose, in people showing up to Lighthouse Point location and the Parkland location, to seeing lives change and transform, to being addictions being broken, so that it will result in what? Thanksgiving. To God. And let's just be honest, we've messed this up in our world today because today in our world, what are we about? We are about the upgrade. Like, I got more, you know what that means? It means upgrade. (laughs) We want newer, bigger, better, faster, stronger. We want the upgrade. Why? Because we want to live our best life now. We go out on the boat and we take the selfie, hashtag best life now. (laughs) Let me help you clarify. Write it down. Your best life is a life spent being a blessing. This is what we have to remember 
as a church. God's best life that he has for you is not about the upgrade. And I'm all for you having the upgrade and the upgrades are great, but it's about being a blessing to the world around you. First Timothy says it like this, command those who are the Joseph of Arimathea's, those that are blessed in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So you can go on vacation and not feel guilty. You can get the bigger, better, faster car and not feel guilty, but don't think that that is the main point. Like the main point is, is command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And our default when it comes to our finances should be that of generosity. That is God, that's what God has for us. Why? He says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So here's how we practically apply this in our life. Here, here's a practical. If God gives you more, do more. Like if God gives you more, just do more. Let that be the default in your life. Like if God has blessed your life, and listen, I understand there's people that are going through some difficult times and some difficult moments. It's been a hard year and there's people that are here and in our church and watching online right now that you're going through difficult times. But there's also a lot of you that have been supernaturally blessed beyond measure or capacity in this season. And if God has blessed you, your default in life should be like, as awesome as the bin is going down the hill, that that is not the intended purpose of the blessing. The intended purpose of the blessing is, isn't just to go on vacation or get the new car or get the Louis bag. And I'm all about you getting the Louis bag. But the default should be generosity because ultimately, more than anything, I want the world to know the name of Jesus. It's about Jesus. So the second part of the story goes that Joseph is, is blessed and he knows he needs to be a blessing and he does something. And this is, this is so crucial. In verse 58, it says, he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen, linen cloth. Now, remember, I told you that, that Joseph of Arimathea, he was a private Christian. Like, he, he was not public with his faith. And, and we don't know why he wasn't public with his faith. It might have been because of his business dealings that he wasn't able to do that. It might have been because he was in a government position that did not allow him to go public at that time. Heck, it could have been a, he was just straight fearful in that moment. But he has this moment where his heart is gripped and he can no longer stay silent. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Number two, when it comes to your legacy, that the greater the cause, the greater the commitment. You should be able to evaluate your life and understand and go, hey, if I'm committed this much, then the cause better be way up here. Better be way up here. And here's what I found with our world today. You have a lot of people that are highly, highly committed to things where the cause is super, super low. Oh, Pastor TJ, Pastor TJ, Pastor TJ. I can't get my kids in church because we've got this sport and then this sport and then this sport that we have to be at. And listen, can I just be honest with you? Your kids aren't going anywhere in sports. You live in Parkland. 
You can pay for all the training you want. Your kid is unathletic. He's got all the gear. It's awesome. He looks the part. He just can't play it. And I love that they're involved in all that stuff, and that's important. But can I just encourage you a little bit? Because the cause of your children loving God for the rest of their life is way greater than them making the traveling baseball team. Just way greater. Let's make it a big deal that God is first in our life. I mean, many of you know, if you've gotten to know me through anything, that I am not an outdoorsy person. Like, there is not, there is not like, hey, let's go camping in me. Uh, camping is like a really bad hotel stay. It's like three-star or below. You know, it's like, oh, man, this not really sure about that. It's like, like I'm, just not, I'm just not a fan of that kind of stuff. And, and being a South Florida, South Florida people like outdoorsy. Kind of, they like things like fishing. I don't, I don't understand fishing. I get invited fishing all the time. And, and so I, I went fishing a while back. And, 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 and here's what I learned about fishing. I don't really know anything about fishing. Uh, and, and there's a lot to know. Like you, there's certain lines you've got to use on the fo- pole. And the, like there's weights and stuff you have to put on there. There's certain hooks and you've got to use certain bait. And, and, and not only do you have to know all that stuff, but you have to look the part. And so I've realized I'm not a good fisherman. And so I made this commitment after the last time I went fishing. Like I'm not really good at this sport, but here's the deal. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be, go do this thing ever again, I'm at least gonna look the part. Like I'm gonna have the right gear. Like I'm not gonna fish again until I get the shirt that's like SPF 75 so I don't get burnt. I'm not gonna go until I have like the thing that I can pull up over my face that looks like I'm gonna rob somebody. I, I like, I gotta have the right sunglasses that, that like shimmer or what, I don't know how that works. That, but fisher people know what that is. And uh, I don't even know what to call it, fishermen, fisherwomen, whatever you are. And, and so I made this commitment to myself. And, and the last time I went fishing, I was mad at myself because I had yet to acquire any of this gear. So I looked like the average Joe showing up to get fishing. And I was frustrated. And the guy's like, why are you so frustrated? I was like, because I promised myself next time I would do this because I was so terrible at it, I would at least look the part. And I didn't even do that. And he's like, man, you need to calm down a little bit because... <laughs> Because who cares? I mean, like your life is busy. You're building a church in Lighthouse Point. You're building a church in Park. Like you got all of this stuff going on. And, I, and I, then I realized, you want to know why I've never bought any of that stuff? Because the cause is about this big in my life. But the commitment is way up here. And I just, I've just learned that I'm not going to commit my life to things that don't matter at all. And here's my challenge to you. There are some of you that if you were to evaluate your legacy, there are things that you are hyper, hyper, hyper committed to. Like your commitment level is is like seven foot two. And the cause is about two inches tall. And when it comes to eternity, and when it comes to impacting other people, you're more infatuated with, with those things than you are with the real things that God actually has for your life. And I think we have to reassess what is actually driving our life in life. Like we have to reevaluate and go, guess what? Like that cause that you're committing to is eventually going to be your legacy. Like what do you want your legacy to be? And I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I know how important fantasy football is, guys. 
but your kids are way more important than it. Like, I know how important that golf is or that, that time at Orange Theory, ladies, but your marriage is more important. I get how important it is to build your business, but your commitment to the body of Christ has got a bigger cause. And we have to constantly look at our lives and remember the cause that matters most and constantly evaluate what am I committing my life to? And Joseph of Arimathea, he has a cause and it's awakened inside of him and it's the care for the body of Christ. And it was a time when the body of Christ was broken and it was bruised and it was beaten. And Joseph of Arimathea steps in and he goes, I wanna remind you, I, I, I want you to know that like the cause that we have is big today. First Corinthians says that like this, now you are, you are, you and you and you and you and you and you and you. All of us in here are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part, part of it. Now, the, the physical body of Christ is up in heaven, but he says that today we are the body of Christ. And can I be real with you, Coastal? Man, we are a healthy version of the body of Christ. And I'm super, super thankful for that. But the church as a whole, man, is broken and it's beaten and it needs us to advance it. It needs us to build it. It needs us to bring some life into it and you have a part to play some of you are supposed to be the mouth some of you are the hands some of you are the feet heck we even have some rear ends here at coastal community church in the body of christ can i get an amen all the rear ends just said amen we all are here but we're committed to this listen the church is a cause worth committing to let me say it again. The church is a cause worth committing to. Why? Because Jesus was committed to it. It says in Ephesians, Christ loved the church. Don't tell me the church isn't important. And he's what he did. And he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church. Know what it shows me? It shows me that the church is a cause worth committing to. It's why we do Legacy Weekend. It's why we sacrifice. It's why we give. It's why we invest. And listen, there are so many causes that are out there in this world, but let me just tell you something. God's plan A for the world is the local church. I wrote it down like this. The church is God's solution to man's struggles. The struggles that are going on in there, out there in our world today, the, the solution to them is the local church. It's one of the reasons why we're doing things like the Christmas store this December to take care of families that are, that are in a season where they can't afford to give a Christmas to their children. We're gonna help them do that. It's one of the reasons why we're planting churches all over South Florida and all over the United States because we know the local church is the hope of the world. It's one of the reasons why like almost every other day there's an outreach going on somewhere in some form, in some fashion through our church because the church is God's solution to our world. That's why we give financially to the church and it's why we talk about finances in church. Here's why, because you can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. Ooh, that's a good line right there. Somebody needs to write that down. And a lot of us mess this up. If God has blessed you, maybe it's because he wants you to serve him in a greater way than you've ever served him before and build something that is going to outlast your life and build something that's going to make an impact 
for eternity. And let me just tell you something. It should cost us something. Let me just challenge you with a, with a quote I read from C.S. Lewis this week. He says, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the common standard, common to those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. He's saying, like, listen, it should cost us something. Then he goes on to say this. He says, if our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our charitable expenditures exclude them. What a line right there. And Shayla and I have kind of lived by this idea that we live simply so others can simply live. That's what the church is all about. It's why we give. People are like, well, can't you imagine all the things that you could have done with everything that you've given? I can, but you know what happens in the middle of that? I think about the legacy that I'm leaving for generations to come that's gonna build on my sacrifice. We are Joseph of Arimathea's building the church of God and we're taking care of his body and I think it's a huge deal. 13 years ago, Shayla and I got this unbelievable call to change our entire world. We had what I would call the perfect life up to that. We, we, we had the fairy tale. We lived in the house we just designed. It was perfect. It was custom for us. We had the best job. She worked for, she actually had the best job in the world. It's a job where I could play golf anywhere in the world for free. It was incredible. Uh, God gifted me with that job for her. And, uh, and <laughs> I worked at what I believe is one of the most incredible churches in the entire world. We built our dream home. We had everything we wanted. All of our family was near us. We had, we had our future lined up for ourselves, how we designed it. And then God showed up and said, hey, I, I, I want you to go down to South Florida where you know no one and nobody even will like you and plant a life-giving church so that families can be built, so that marriages can be restored, so addictions can be broken, so people can be changed and transformed by the gospel power of Jesus Christ. And I remember going to my pastor and telling him and quitting my job and Shayla quitting her job and us preparing to move down here and selling everything we had, liquidating every, every retirement account, everything to <coughs> build this thing called the local church. And I remember I was at a Smoothie King right before we were about to leave. And I was standing in line to order a smoothie. And a lady named Julie Blank walked in and she goes, oh, TJ, you're here. And then she ran out of the Smoothie King. I was like the weirdest encounter ever. I was like, it's not a great way to, uh, didn't make me feel real good about myself. And uh, she came back in and she's like, oh, I, I need to talk to you. And then she bought my smoothie, which made it all good. You know, it's great. And, and we sat down and, and she goes, you know, you don't really know me very well, but uh, like when we heard about what you and Shayla were doing, our heart was just gripped, my husband and I, and, and we love you and we believe in you and we believe what God has called you to do. And she said, I had to run out of my car because you were here. And she pulled out a check out of her pocket for $5,000 and handed it to me. And it was the first time I ever saw the name Coastal Community Church written down by somebody other than myself. And I remember just holding that check. And I remember saying to myself, God, if you make this thing work, 
I will be the greatest steward of every resource you ever put in my hand. And like, I, I will build up Joseph of Arimathea's like Julie who, who aren't in ministry and just work a normal job and, and do what God has called them to do. And when God challenges them, they're just faithful and they step out and do that. God, that's exactly what I do. And, and God, I, that's, that's all I wanna do with my life. And I, I realize that God has blessed her to be a blessing. And, I, and I'm probably not the only person she's ever blessed in her life. I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of other stories. And I think, and you need to listen to me, I think that when we get to heaven, the people that are gonna get elevated and exalted are not the people that we think. We think it's gonna be the people that are up on the stage preaching. We think it's the people on TV. We think it's the famous preachers. But I think the people that are gonna get elevated in heaven are gonna be the Joseph of Arimatheas, the Julie Blanks in this world that said, hey, I just worked my job and I love God and I was faithful to God. And when God called me to things, I listened to his voice and I stepped out and God is going to elevate them and he's going to celebrate them. That's who's going to get the honor and that's who's going to get the glory when we get to heaven because that's who God celebrates. People that are faithful to build something bigger than their life itself. So let me finish this up. Verse 60, he says, he placed it in his own new tomb which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Now, now, I've never built anything out of rock, but as I was imagining this this week, I'm imagining this guy uh, 2,000 years ago building this tomb out of rock. This is before heavy equipment. This is before power tools. This is before chiropractors. Come on, somebody. You know that guy was hurting. So, so he's building this tomb. He's building it daily, and, and, and he's thinking to himself, man, this is going to be a monument to me. Like, I'm a rich man, like this is a rich man's tomb. I'm gonna be looking good. Like this is an uncommon thing. And then he has this moment that captures his heart where he goes, what I'm building is great, but maybe, just maybe it's for a bigger purpose than me. Number three, our lives should build something that will outlast us. I think he has this moment where he goes, man, I can be in that tomb and that's a win. Or I can give this thing over to Jesus and 2,000 years later, we'll still be talking about his acts of sacrifice. And I want you to know that God has blessed us and he's gifted us and he's used us so that we can build something that will actually outlast our life. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians, he says, by the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And listen, we aren't here to talk about finances. We're here to talk about your life. Are you building your life as a wise builder? Are you building your marriage as a wise builder? Are you building your career as a wise builder? Are you parenting as a wise builder? Are you in your singleness being a wise builder? It says, and someone else is building on it, but each one of you should build with care. Each of us should be using our life and making sure we're building with some care. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Like, like our work is going to show. 
because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, guess what? If you build something that outlasts you, here's what happens. The builder will receive a reward. And I want you to know that as good as the rewards here on this on this earth that the world has to offer, they are nothing like the rewards that are up in heaven. And here's what I love about God. God not only rewards us in heaven, but he'll also reward us here on earth if we're faithful in these areas. And I'm telling you, this is what it's all about. So as you evaluate your life, can I challenge you, church? Let your life, let your marriage, let your career, let your parenting, let your family, let your job build something that will live past you. There's a famous missionary. He has the name C.T. Stud. He is like the best name of all time. I wish my last name was Stud. What's up, Stud? Some people are laughing a little too hard at that, but that's a... I, I, Whatever. He says this. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What a legacy statement for our lives. Church, I want us to build a a life that will outlast us. I want us to build marriages that are so strong that it'll be passed down generationally to our children and our children's children that they'll emulate the marriages that their parents had. I want us to raise our kids in such a way that when they are parents, they'll go, I want to raise my children the same way my parents raised me. I want us to build our businesses in such a way that when generations look at it, they go, man, that's the leadership, that's the ethics, that's the character that I want to I wanna emulate in my leadership style. I want people, when they look at our finances, that they go, man, I, I don't, they, they weren't just about acquiring wealth. They were about changing the world with the things that God had put in their hands because they knew that it was about something bigger than themselves. They wanted to leave a legacy. I want us in our faith to live with such passion for God. That we set a domino effect for not only our children, but our children's children and our children's children's children. Because the faith we live out, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, because every day we are creating legacy. And legacy is what it's all about. Let's live a life that will outlast this life. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, we love you in this place. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be able to live and live as free as we can. And here's what I know. So you called all of us to build a life that will outlast us. To build a legacy. But before we can build a life externally that will outlast us, we've got to build a life internally that will live beyond this life.
And here's what I know about a lot of us. A lot of us, what we've done is we've pursued significance. We've pursued success. We've pursued meaning. Thinking that we'll find all of those things in the next relationship or a better career or a bigger house or a better car or a bigger bank account. And here's the problem with all of those things. Once we get them, we find that they leave us wanting and longing for more. Because the success and the significance and the worth and value that we're looking for cannot be found in those things. It's only found in one thing, and that's a relationship with our creator. It's the ultimate legacy that we can leave is a legacy of faith. And maybe you're in here today and you've never experienced a relationship with God. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about membership in church. I'm talking about there is a God that so loved the world, that so loved you. That he paid the ultimate sacrificial price of his son, Jesus. On the cross of Calvary so that you could experience life and have it more abundantly. So you could be reunited in relationship with God. The Bible actually says that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved, that we can be reconnected in relationship with God. It's the ultimate legacy. When we change inside, it changes everything outside. And maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your will and your way to God and said, God, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Or maybe you did it a long time ago and you've walked away and you say, you know what, I need to make that commitment again here today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here today, it begins with a simple yet significant prayer that you can pray right here. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, sir, I see you right there. Anybody else? Yes, I see you right there. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Three. Anybody else? Don't miss your moment. This is your legacy moment. If you're you're watching online right now, just put your hand emoji up right there on YouTube or Facebook, wherever, whatever social media platform you're on. Just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say, God, thank you for wanting to create a legacy in me, for loving me so much that while I was still a sinner, while I was still in the middle of my mess, you sent a messenger, his name was Jesus, to come to this earth and live a perfect life and die a sinner's death, the death that I deserve. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past. Change my present and lead me into my future. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Come into my heart. Take over. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And I not only call you my Savior, but I make you my Lord here today. Help me to build a legacy with my life following you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Man, if you just made that decision, can we give it up for everybody that just made that decision? You just made the best decision you could ever make surrendering your life to Jesus. And I just want to let you know that right after service, 
right after we do this, this offering moment, right across from the cafe is a place called The Hub, and we'd love for you to stop by there. We'd love to give you some tools and some resources and some information so that we can help you in this journey of faith, following God to create and build the legacy that we're talking about here today. But right now, we're gonna do something that's a little bit different. So if you're a guest here, please know that we don't do this uh, anytime but this time of the year. We're gonna do something a little bit different. This is our time of the year where we do our legacy offering, where we give above and beyond our regular giving to accelerate the vision of what God is doing here at Coastal Community Church. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks about giving generously to this. And so I know a lot of you guys have already given online, but this is our opportunity, whether you give it online or you're just here and you brought it here, I want you to grab those envelopes off your seats. And, and here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to stand up here and, and I want you to hold that envelope up. Okay, when I said stand up, I actually want you to stand up. This is Catholic Church right now. We're gonna stand, we're gonna sit, we're gonna do all kinds of things. Make sure you're awake. I'm gonna ask you to hold this envelope up and I wanna pray over you because here's what I know. There's a lot of people that are sacrificing here. There's a lot of people that are giving extravagantly in these moments. They're, they're doing something that is gonna create a legacy for generations to come. And I wanna believe that God will, will bless your life. He will do immeasurably more, is what Ephesians tells us, immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, or imagine according to His power is at work within us. So would you guys bow and pray with me as we get ready to give generously. God, we love you in this place. We thank you that God, you would invite us to be a part of building something that will outlast us, God, that you would invite us to be a part of building your church. And God, I pray that every sower that's out there that's sowing into this, God, that you would give the sower more seed, God, that you would bless them 30, 60, 100 fold, God, that you would use the sacrifices of individuals and families to lay a foundation for generations to come, that it wouldn't just build this family, but we would be setting up the next generation and the generation after and the generation after that for the uncommon things that, God, you want to do through their lives. God, we love you in this place, and we worship you through our giving. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.